The Power 40 podcast is an uplifting faith-based podcast that speaks to all that is going on in our world. Our goal is to share inspirational real-life stories and experiences from notable guests around the country on matters that touch us all. The number 40 symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. We all experience trying times in our lives, but it's what comes from these times that make us who we are. As we depict periods of people's lives where the idea of the number 40 is played out, we will learn the goodness that comes from perseverance, determination, and belief. I'm your host, Annika Tramberg, joined today by Jennifer. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So a mountaineer, mom of seven, business owner, you do a lot. But for those who don't know, can you start by sharing what a mountaineer is? Because I think that's so fascinating. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. You have climbers Mm -hmm. that do kind of what you see in Patagonia or North Face magazines, right? They're like climbing on walls. Yeah. And then you have hikers who are doing the traditional hike. So a mountaineer kind of combines both skills and typically does mountains above, I don't know, I think it gets to be a mountain when it's maybe 19,000 feet. I think we have, I mean, yeah, I guess. So then we're hiking, climbing, moving our bodies, I guess, up mountains that are a little bit higher in elevation. That's awesome. You're such an inspiration, I feel like, to people all around the world you set out to do all seven second summits in the world. What was your inspiration for this? You know, I think all of our inspiration kind of evolves as we're chasing goals, new doors open or new opportunities kind of arise. Um, I was actually training to do a mountain in Nepal called Amada Blom, which I was told is the most beautiful mountain in the world, which I agree. And when I was training for that, COVID happened and my son was struggling with his math homework. And he said, I don't want to do my math homework. And I'm like, we do hard things. You got this, buddy. And he said, well, if we do hard things, then why aren't you climbing Mount Everest? I said, let's look at Mount Everest when you're done with your math. (laughs) So we started looking at Mount Everest and I said, you know what, maybe I will climb it. So I contacted a coach, was training for Mount Everest at that time. And he had given me a book to read for training. And in the front of the book, it had a lady that had just gotten a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. And I called my coach and I was halfway teasing. I'm like, Alan, I could have done that. Like, I'm really good at suffering. If And you go, my kids would think I'm so cool because every year we get the Guinness World Record book because it motivates them to read, right? They're like, they want to know how many hot dogs or someone went down a river in a pumpkin or like all the weird things that happen. And um, he's like, we'll find you something. And then over the course of our relationship and just talking, all of a sudden one day he's like, I have it. I have your goal. He goes, I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. You have seven children, you love to travel, and the second summits are harder than the first. So it's reputable within your peer group, which I know is important to you. And that's kind of the birth of the goal and the pursuit. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, how, How, you know, you have all these goals and I love that. Does it just... How do you stay motivated, I guess? Because I think people set goals and sometimes they seem unachievable or unattainable and they wane with their motivation to get there. For you, how do you 
when you set that goal, what is like the process to get there? Yeah. So first I book the the trip, right? So once I book the trip, then I have to, then I have to start trainer. Then mm-hmm. I have to do things. I don't have any room to wiggle because they're expensive. There's a lot of complications going into booking flights and getting sitters and making sure everybody's taken care of at home while I'm gone. Um, so once that trip's booked, then I start backing into okay, what do I need to train specifically for this climb? What kind of gear do I need? All the little details that fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. And I carry a baseline fitness that gives me flexibility where I don't need to train for a year for one of these. But um, yeah, definitely helps when it's in the books. If it's not in the books, then (laughs) I can find ways to kind of give myself excuses of, oh, you know, it won't matter today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, does writing stuff down, I feel like does make such a difference, whether it's like daily tasks or things that you just want to achieve in life. I feel like when you actually put pen to paper, you just have like this sense of you have to get it done. You have to accomplish it. Yeah, yeah. And especially when the credit cards ran. Right? Yeah, like that's that, you. That's that, a big motivator. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not refunding that. So here we go. <laughs> uh, so how many of these have you accomplished so far? I have five of them done. Um, mm-hmm. I have one. And it's kind of like a dispute, actually. So when there's actually eight mountains, not okay. seven. And the reason why there's eight is because there's a dispute on what is the seventh. They're not sure if it's Oceania, which would then include Papua, or mm-hmm. if it's just Australia, right? So to like satisfy both lists of whether sure. you consider either one, I want to do both of those mountains, but right now the country of Papua is not open for climbing. Um, They have some political unrest there. And so I'm waiting for that country to open. And then my other mountain will be Mount Logan, which is located in Canada. So that's the North American one. Um, I actually attempted that this past May, but the weather was really, really bad. So we had to abort the mission. So it'll be my second try for Logan. And that's a May climb. So I have that in the books for May. I just am not sure when the other one's going to fill in, hopefully soon. (laughs) What was your hardest climb? So from publicity standpoint, K2 would probably be known as the hardest climb. Um, But really, I felt like the climb in Russia. I had to climb a mountain called Dick Tau. um, And just everything to do. I mean, obviously you can't go to Russia right now. So I'm so glad I got that done when I did, but everything about that climb, they lost my luggage. So I had to rent gear. It's a technical climb. So that means you put an ice pick, ice pick, and then toe pick, toe pick. So you have two ice axes that you're climbing with and um, you're roped off to the guide. So it's the two of you kind of inchworming up the mountain And if either one of you falls, the other one of you is kind of the anchor to hold that person to the mountain. Wow. And so on K2, you have fixed lines, which means someone's gone up, fixed the lines, and you're kind of working the lines that have been set. On Dick Tau, you're working together. And it's, I mean, it's just more intense because every step or every click counts. (laughs) It is due to, like, if you have your own like your own picks or all of your own things, does it feel different when you had to just get new stuff? 
Oh, it's terrible. It was, yeah. I mean, I was, I wanted to cry. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to turn around. Right. Like, this is just too many bad things. And then really what happened was I'm like, well, I'm here. And so any, I thought we weren't going to summit. So I'm like, at this point, I don't have my gear. It's a technical mountain. We have like a three day window to make it happen. We'll, you know, everything has to go perfect from this point forward. And I'm like, well, if I just go, anything that I experience is knowledge that I get to bring back when I try again. And so just by going and just keep like, hey, everything, every step's like more knowledge. Every step is more knowledge. We got lucky and we summited. Now we did get stuck in a storm on the way down, which is something you never want to be in on a big mountain. Um, we got electrical currents were going. So all of a sudden my ice axe was hot on my back. I'm like, why is my ice axe like hot? I'm trying to move out of the way. And the guy's like, throw, throw. And so I took it off and threw it and I disconnected the electrical charge because you didn't see electricity or you didn't see thunder or hear thunder. You just could feel the energy in because we were so high up, you could feel the energy in the clouds. And then all of a sudden it would collect and it would connect to you and you'd have to disconnect it. And we had to deal with that for about an hour and a half, which is a little nerve wracking. <laughs> um, but then once Very. we got low enough, like all of that kind of broke up and we were fine. But yeah, Russia was just hard and they don't speak English in Russia. So the few words that the client, like the guide knew, it was a lot of symbols of like, what way are you going? Or what do you want me to do? Or it was just, it was just a unique experience. It sounds like a lot of obstacles to overcome, but you definitely, you did it. Um, when you're out there, are there other people doing it with you? Is it, do you have to do it like at a certain day? How long is it? Tell me some of those details. Yeah. So each climb is unique. Um, to that specific climb, which kind of makes it fun because it's not the same thing over and over. Um, for the Russia climb, that season of climbing is July, August, and September. I went there with one American guide, another American client. So there's three Americans and then two Russian guides. Um, and we all did it together and we had climbed other mountains before. So the three of us knew each other we didn't really know the Russians, but they were doing the best they could. And they're actually super nice humans. Um, that climb is about a four day climb and you can do it in that season. It's just what can happen is storms can come in and then it aborts your mission and you'll have to go back. My longest climb was K2. Um, that was this summer. And part of it is it's a 70 mile hike in and then you have to acclimatize because it's so high. And then oh, it's yeah. a 70 mile hike out, right? Wow. So part of it's just getting to the mountain, mm -hmm. right? Um, Mount Tyree was in Antarctica. That was the shortest one. That was four guides and myself. And we did it in three days. Um, wow. And but that that one, we had to have four guides and myself because we are, there's no helicopters for rescue in Antarctica sure. and we're 45 minutes on a flight away from the closest resource to help us if we had any trouble. And that's counting on weather being good enough for an airplane to fly. Yeah. So we had to have more guides there just because if something went wrong, we needed two people strong enough to carry the one injured person. It was just, a lot of it is based on the technicality and the risk involved in the mountain if something goes wrong, right? You're climbing to prevent 
Like if worst case scenario, how do we manage that? And that's how you decide to build your team. That's so interesting. Also, yeah. I just keep thinking too, your kids have got to think you're the coolest mom ever. <laughs> you know, like sometimes, right? We only yeah. stay cool for like a few minutes. As cool as the last thing we did. But it did help when I climbed Everest. Um, I live in Park City, Utah. We have a very outdoorsy, supportive community. And we did a campaign at their school. Like, what's your Everest goal? So then all the kids in the hallways wrote down their Everest goal. And then the kids tracked me because I had a tracker. And then we did some Zoom calls from base camp. And so now, like, so then because their friends thought I was cool, then all of a sudden I was kind of cool, right? <laughs> then you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> then it then it works. That's awesome. Right. Right. But also, too, just like the life experiences and the lessons that you learn on all these trails you can instill all those values into your kids. I feel like a hundred percent. And what's so unique, what, you know, like when you start on pursuits, whatever your goal is or whatever that shows up as in your life, the people that you meet on the journey, right. Make the adventure just that much more rewarding because I'm traveling to different continents. So I get to meet people from Africa or I get to meet people from Pakistan or just from all over the place. And you learn like different cultures and different ways of seeing things. And to some of those places, being an American is such a great thing to them, right? So like, then you're this face of America for people and it just connects you at a different level and really allows you to empower people in those communities, not just the one that you live in. I love that. It's so true. It, it's anything in life, I feel like, you are representing not just yourself sometimes, but maybe it's your family, maybe it's your country and so many other things. So it's so important to keep that in mind when you are meeting new people, especially someone in that's never maybe even experienced the American culture before. That's really cool that you got to be kind of the face of, of the U.S. for other people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's So there's another thing I was researching. You were in a really bad car accident. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. How did that like affect your... It gives me goosebumps. Um, <laughs> car accidents are so scary. How did that affect they... your your journey? Oh, I would say, you know, you read these quotes about, you know, we live in this, like we have time, right? Or you don't have time. You don't have time. And you read and you're like, okay, whatever. I don't have time. I'm like eating up my life, whatever. You get into a car accident that should have taken your life. And for some reason it doesn't. All of a sudden that becomes really real. Like, oh my goodness, I could die at any moment. Like this might be my last day or my last adventure. If I was to die, what would my obituary say? What What did I leave as a legacy of thought and improvement and empowerment? And for me, that was just a big wake up call because I had kind of used my kids as an excuse to put my own life on hold. I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm really busy doing all this mom stuff, which a thousand percent I was. But I was also sacrificing like some of my own goals for my kids. And I thought that was, you know, like I was proud of that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? If I died, what would they say or what would they know about me? And that really changed my life to say, I'm going to do my goals and I'm going to be a mom. And when I switched to that and instead of later or whatever, um, I really changed the dynamics for all of our family 
And they like when they were like, I don't want to do math. I'm like, guess what? I don't want to go work out. But if I want to climb Everest, I have to. And if you want to contribute to the world, then you have to do your math right now. And we just had a lot of parallels in our journey um, of like doing new things or doing things we didn't want to. And it allowed me to relate with my kids at a level that I was kind of telling instead of showing before. And I think that's been really beneficial for us. Yeah, that's amazing. I think so often parents, especially moms, I think they have their children and they lose the sense of self because those kids are your life and your world. And not to say that that's any less, but it's also so amazing to be an example for them that no matter, you know, life keeps going on and on, but you can continue to set goals and continue to reach those goals and continue to achieve. And your life doesn't have to just stop because you got to a certain age or you're in a cer- certain circumstance. So I think that's amazing. Also for all the other women that are going to hear this too. And maybe they're in a certain situation where they feel like they don't know who they are anymore, or, you know, yeah. they don't feel like they can do both of those things. This, I think your story just in that regard is so inspirational. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know either. Right. All of a sudden I was like, I don't even know what I would want for dinner if I could pick dinner tonight. Right. Like I'm so used to what does everybody want or need, or I'll do me later. And it was funny because once you get into a car accident and you start thinking, okay, what are things that I want to do before I die or places I want to see or things that, you know, and then I was looking at my younger now. So it's going to be easier to climb a mountain now than it is going to be able to climb one when I'm in my eighties. So this is something I should do sooner than later. And then as I was doing that, I was like, oh, I really like this. I should keep pursuing it. And, um, you know, it's something that my kids will laugh at. I'll watch their soccer games or football games and I'll be the mom that has like the step on the side going up and down, up and down just to get my workout in and do what they're doing. Um, But it's worked. And I think I think it's something that if you're putting yourself in a timeout for your own personal needs, Maybe it's time to time in and just have communication and talk about it. Like I talked to my kids about, hey, I'm going to be gone for, you know, two weeks for this climb and here's what's going to happen and how do you feel? And we've been able to set up some rituals around that that kind of keeps everybody connected and grounded. And mm-hmm. we're even like today, I can FaceTime them from about anywhere, right? Yeah. So it's just so different than what it was back right. in the day, right? So true. Well, you definitely have done so many amazing things. What has been your greatest accomplishment so far? Um, I feel the people in the journey have been the greatest accomplishment. Uh, an example that was just recent, I went to climb K2 this summer. It was my second attempt and I got it this time. So super happy. But what I realized when I was there before that the people in Pakistan, it's really hard for them to be able to afford to climb their big mountains because their currency and their ability to earn money just isn't quite there. So why they can climb for free because they're a citizen of that country, they don't have the money for the gear or perhaps the oxygen or the different things involved. And so I kind of feel like I failed that first time so that I could get that lesson and come back the second time. And when I came back the second time, I sponsored four climbers from Pakistan to be able to climb K2, which now gives these people jobs for the rest of their lives. Wow. And 
it's just been again, it's like one of those things where I started this goal for me. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into it, you're like, this isn't even about me. This is about what I can make possible or about what I can empower and about what I can inspire. And then when you get into that mode, everything just becomes magic. And it's just so exciting to continue and go and see what's going to come up for the next opportunity and know that you get to be part of that story. That's amazing. I'm so excited for your next two more, right? Yeah. When are those? So Mount Logan will be in May of 2023. And then it just depends on when Papua opens when I'll do that one. That is so, so awesome. Well, just as we close out today and reflect on the power of 40 in our lives, maybe trials we're going through, things we've overcome. I think we continue to understand that life is both good and bad and we get through it no matter what. Um, But 40 is also significant in regards to time. So if you had just 40 minutes to impact the world, where would you start and what would you say? So are you telling me that right now to answer that? That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say go into your heart Mm -hmm. and really figure out what lights you up and it makes you feel the most you. Because when you show up the most authentic version of yourself, you give permission for everybody around you to do the same. And we all become better by living our unique, authentic goal, dream, and story. And I think that just makes them more possible across the globe. I love that. I just kind of had one of those moments this week. I just thinking about things that I enjoy and love. And I'm like, people should really go whatever they do on a daily basis should be something that excites them. And I know it's so much easier said than done, but I just totally believe that to be true. And what you said about authenticity is so true. When you see people living in a space that they enjoy being in and are are grateful and happy, their authenticity, I feel like shines through. And then it just is kind of a ripple effect on other people. Oh yeah. You see that energy and you see that light in them and you're like, Mm -hmm. I want that. Okay. What does that look like to me? And I just feel it connects us all at such a deeper level. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're truly such an inspiring woman, Um, not just for maintaining a family of seven kiddos, but climbing mountains and continuing to set amazing goals and all you've accomplished and um, truly an inspiration, I feel like, to other women. So thank you for sharing your story today. Well, thank you for having me. Have a great day. For more information on the Power 40 podcast, visit powerofhumans.com. Also stream the podcast on your preferred streaming service.